Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, the Looney Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Halem, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmitz, and during the coldest and snowiest week in the Northeast that we've had, we are bringing you a podcast about about cartoons that are making fun of Southerners, Arabians, and Hawaiians. God, I wish that were me. Yep. It's, It's funny. I'm current, like a friend of mine, as we're recording this episode, a friend of mine is literally flying down to Florida for a couple of days and is texting me. Uh, she's got a layover in Charlotte. And I'm like, boy, it sucks to be you right now. eh?" Oh, man. Oh, I wish. But no, we're doing um, uh, places from warmer climates and uh, ruder depictions of them because this is the first iteration of... Maybe we'll do more. Who knows? But um, this is something that I came up with called uh, This Really Hasn't Aged Very Well, uh, Folks, or whatever I'm calling it, where it's three cartoons that may have made sense at the time, but feature depictions and stereotypes that Whoopi Goldberg may want to have to reprimand you about. And what is interesting about these cartoons, Jorn, is that because, you know, I, I said that in last week's episode, but like we've covered cartoons like Train the Beanstalk, like um, I, I think Wild Wife maybe was one of them. I don't know, but like they're just shorts that we've watched where they're either decent or they're good, and then just racist shit happens and it pisses us off. Yeah. And I will say, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite me. I will say. Now, there wasn't one of those moments in the three that, that I, I saw. Right. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to watch these go, <laughs> God damn it, fuck. Oh, why? It's funny because one of these is a McKimson, and you'd think that there are moments in this where uh where where I'm like, eh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yes, but, yes, um, there are definitely that. Yes. But there's nothing to the cab- caliber of the end of Beanstalk, uh, the end of Twitty and the Beanstalk, or the the middle bit of um, Alibaba Bunny or um, you know various other crimes against humanity that the <laughs> Looney Crew put out in this era. There are some things that aren't great, but we're at least going to be taking these guys to task for more story crimes rather than war crimes. Um, yeah. At least in the case of a couple of these, there is actually one good one in here. But uh, the rest of these were... So the shorts we're covering today are Wakakiki Rabbit, A Lad in His Lamp, ending with The Rebel Without Claws. Yep, and these range from cartoons that I grew up with, cartoons that I grew up reading about but never actually saw but seemed really peculiar and interesting, and cartoons that I learned about in the last year that are just so baffling to me that I think we had to include in this. We'll um, get into the first one of these, which is... <laughs> we, we're starting at tame, and we're just getting less tame as we go. Because we have um, Wackaki Wabbit, which was released on July 3rd, 1943. 
there's a theme that I noticed with a couple of these that from this, I can, I can only speak for the two that I found stuff for and that there's just really cool character actor on this days, like birthdays. Huh. Cause like, I know there's one for the third one that I think we're going to have to talk about, but um, this one had honestly a cooler character actor. How do I best get you to guess this guy? Um, if I were to just say, just tell me who it is. Okay, just Kurt tell me Wood who Smith. it is. <laughs> Kurt Woodsmith. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kurt Woodsmith, who is one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood, because in the eighties and nineties he managed to play roles in RoboCop and Dead Poet Society, where he played these horrifying characters, and then in the late two thousand, in the early nineties. 90- in the late 90s and early 2000s, he plays one of the cuddliest and ridiculous father characters on television as Red Foreman in that 70s show. And yeah. he's one of those guys that it's just fun to see him pop up places because he's just a really good actor and a really fun guy. Yeah, I saw um, he, he did an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Like randomly, like I saw a clip he was on Malcolm in the Middle. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, it's Kurtwood Smith. That guy rocks. He did an episode, and this is a show that's been lost to time and space, but the U.S. version of Thank God You're Here. Um, He did an episode of that, and because there's no rips of any of the episodes online for some fucking reason, uh, you can't really access it, but like he did pretty good on it, if I remember correctly. So... Yeah, Kurt Woodsmith, born on this day. Uh, great actor. Um, so, okay, Wackacky Wabbit. Um, uh, it's a Chuck Jones film written by Ted Pierce, which is important because Ted Pierce, <laughs> along with Michael Maltese, are, uh, is behind some very crucial voice acting stuff in this cartoon because you have these main characters that Bugs uh, futzes with the whole time, and they're two castaways and they're both played by Michael Maltese and Ted Pierce. And I remember hearing that these two characters were, the designs of these two characters were takeoffs, I believe, on Michael and Ted themselves, but do not quote me on that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was supposedly the thing. And like, I know, okay, I'm just basing this off of the other character that Ted Pierce has played. Um, I would consider Michael Maltese to be a short, round guy. I saw interview footage of him. He looks like he could kick somebody's ass. Yeah. I thought of the two, Ted Pierce was the rounder type. Nice. I don't want to from what I've seen. You know, Ted Double D, baby. So, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of other background on uh, Wacky Wabbit, so I might, we might as well go into it. I mean, it's on a gun collection. It's yes, on, it's I on think, the, the first gun collection, right? So, oh. It's on one of the I I remember this one being like very popular. Yeah. And that's why I wanted, because A, we haven't gotten to this one yet, which is weird because it's obviously a a classic Bugs cartoon. And here we are in the 160s or whatever and and finally getting to it. And like, but yeah, this was on one of the earlier Golden Collections and I watched it a lot as a kid. And there's a lot of gags here that I remember very fondly. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> it's nice that we're finally getting to it. Um, not to spoil my opinion on it, uh, but uh, I am in you favor. You almost of. say 
The entire reason we're here today is because of this cartoon. Yes, because I wanted to get an excuse to get this in an episode. But once, I mean, if you, if you rewatch this um, in preparation for this, or I don't know how you do this, but like, can you blame us? Because this is a fun one. Like <laughs> It is. Okay. Just the very beginning of this, I, I immediately took me back to watching this on Golden Collections because it was just open, just establishing shots of, you know, Ted and Michael, who they don't have names. I'm just going to call them Ted and Michael. Just out on the waters, a ba- on a shipwreck, cast away looking for an island. And just immediately you get a sense of what their conflict is, which is they're starving, they want food, and they're trying to stave off eating each other. And you just get some really funny ways of animating this, like like one imagining the other as a cheeseburger or the other trying to eat the guy's leg and he eat his own leg. And it, it's very silly. Oh, yeah. I, I love that so much. Just the guy's on his own leg. And then uh, Mike just puts on a baby. He's ready. And just, just take going, no, this is mine. No, you can't have my leg. <laughs> no. My leg? Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it, it's, exactly. It's very silly to start off. And the silliness to me does not let up because the second they see that there is land in the distance, you see them immediately like blowing the sail towards <laughs> land. And, and like you, you just see like the, I already don't know which one's which, um, but the, the larger one just blowing it further and further as they're already on land and the other one just sort of like waiting. And Michael just waiting to smack him. And immediately when you get onto this island, you notice that the backgrounds in this cartoon are so cool. This is around the same time that Chuck was doing things like uh, Case of the Missing Hair. And um, there's another one we covered that has some cool backgrounds. And he's experimenting with style and, you know, his own sort of like what he wants his cartoons to look like. And all the backgrounds of this Polynesian land are all wild and flowery and extravagant. And I I, I really like that. That's funny with Chuck Jones, that even even in the beginning... And you realize you can't do Disney shit anymore. It's like, okay, I'm gonna experiment for a little bit. And even the experiments look pretty cool. They're, they're not they're not bad experiments. You know, it's not like, okay, what if in this one, uh, Mel, we're gonna we're gonna put you in a water bowl and just do all your lines throw in, into a water tank. It's like, why? Yeah. I don't know, I'm experimenting. It's like <laughs> Yeah, you know, I might work. And so they run into bugs, as and bugs is sort of just like you know, hey, what's, what's, you know. I love that bugs is just there. Yeah, he's like, just there's there. no like sequence to get at. No, he's just like, oh hey, hey what's up? <laughs> hey. And so immediately, because they see, and one of the great things about this cartoon is that whenever they see are in or within um, striking distance of bugs, the two men immediately set up a table and immediately fantasize about eating him. And just in the most goofy and over the top ways possible, like, yeah. <laughs> but like, and I love that they bugs like, you know, Tarzan's his way out of there and leads us into the iffy part of the cartoon because it's bugs as this sort of like Polynesian. Che- Something I want to point out about Wackaki Wabbit is that it's set on Hawaii, and this is 15 years before Hawaii's official statehood. So this is still its own territory, and at this point is sort of like an enemy. It's 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 like a sort of a territory, like like because I know that with, with Pearl Harbor, like you know, U.S. people were okay being in in Honolulu or whatever, but it's still like 
not an official U.S. state yet, and it's still there is still a disconnect between you know the white people and you know the people that live there, the natives, and so we get this bit where it's Bugs as this sort of native Hawaiian chief type doing all sorts of like for the first thing he says is oh white men which oh, oh. okay that's not okay it's really not okay but out of context that's that's kind of funny ah white man welcome to huma huma nuka nuka apua yeah, um, it actually is pretty silly. It's just Bugs Bunny going, ah, white men. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, Mel, I have some um, some big news for you. Um, <laughs> you're not much darker. Uh, Mel, uh, Mel, I have some news for you. What's up, my fellow honky? No, no, Mel, Mel. <laughs> we just got word. We can't say any of this shit anymore. Ah, no. That really, that really strikes down my jive, man. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's a solid <laughs> minute of bugs sending up Hawaiians. And, and, and you know, they're, they're making fun of just another territory. If this were made now, they'd been going down there and buying shore houses. So, like, it's, it's you know, they're looking down on them. And they have this subtitle gag where Bugs says this. This overlong thing. That's probably the most incessive part of it. The funniest part of this gag, though, is when, because the whole they do the gag where it's like he says something really long and it means like three or four words, and he says something really short and it means like five, like that's three sentences. And the 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 um the 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 guys do it too, where they say something in English and it translates something really silly in Hawaiian. And one of them looks down at the other and goes, "Gee, did you say that?" So I love that. Yeah, break that fourth wall. Um, but th- th- it, it, it leads into this sort of very crazy dancing routine, which <laughs> it, it, it's it's not as, as iffy as some of the other things here because they're just flailing about yeah. trying to fit in and dance. And Bugs, after a second, just does a little get a load of them look and runs off. I like that. And then you get another <laughs> you get another insensitive stereotype here where in a book about uh, native Hawaiians, it says the natives are skilled at diving at coins. Gee, I think you can say the same thing about some Americans. Yeah, that, uh, but down here, oh no, oh no. That, hmm, where is this going to lead? Because it's been a long time since this cartoon. I'm like, oh no. But thankfully, <laughs> it leads to, uh, you know, your conventional yeah. bugs goes into the cauldron gag, which is perfectly fine. Well timed because it's the, the pan lid getting getting hit with. I, I love that, and I, I do love just as he's singing the song to himself. The um, I think it's it's Mike or Ted or whatever just pours water over him, but it's going. Oh, uh, get the back dock. It's really it's really nice. That's pretty silly. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's something really silly about again the the, the bit where they they set up a table. Like they see. They see bugs again, and they and they they get a whole table and a and a chef's hat, and the menu literally just says rabbit in big letters. Rabbit. It's so goofy. Yeah, this cartoon it's just a, a big old goof. Just <laughs> it is. And what I really love is is Ted and Michael's uh, performance in this. I personally feel that this cartoon is one of the best writer voice actor performances in Looney Tunes because I just <laughs> love. How silly they're being. We're gonna have roast rabbit. 
over the top and just it's set on exaggerate. Blown. Exactly, and it's it's so much fun. Oh, I love it because it, it's because you know that this is what this cartoon is, where it's not trying to be subtle, it's not trying to be toned down, it's just really silly and really typed up, and I'm down with that for the most part here. Like, first of all, you, you, you breeze by, by the fact that Bugs, in escaping the gang, has a house just in the palm trees, just out above everybody. He just lives up there. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. It leads to one of the most ingenious gags I've seen in a while, which is this gag where he controls a chicken as a puppet and, like, with strings from high up and gets and, and makes them think that it's just him who's been dead just confronting them. It's so goofy because just the way the chicken is animated of just like, just like he breaks a knife and he's just propositioning them Wes Bugs is throwing his voice. It's so ridiculous. No, you don't. Pull a knife on me, would you? Why you? One false move out of you and I'll... It is. I just love that. It just breaks a knife over the knee. Like, hey, cut that out. Don't do that. <laughs> Even better, the chicken comes to its senses and rats out bugs. <laughs> I love cartoons, man. Also, I love that right after they bugs yanks the chicken back up and leaves the skeleton, the, the guys take like two seconds to begin to sob and then start like just crying out in hysterics because they're out of food again <laughs> again nth degree yeah so silly um and then we get to this ending which i love where a ship <laughs> arrives on shore to pick them up and bugs they do this whole thing where bugs is giving them lays and saying goodbye to them and they keep shaking their hands and everybody's like goodbye goodbye you know farewell bon voyage and bugs has hypes them up so much that he gets on the boat and, let, and lets it leave and they don't realize what's happened until the boat is literally disappearing from shore <laughs> just, oh bye my bye, god bye 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 just hits his mic like god <laughs> oh my goodness it it's had such a perfect bugs ending you know it, it, it's it's uh it's so good and, and again, it ends with them running off, you know, chasing each other, think, you know, with having food delusions again and chasing each other off down the coast, which is, again, any cartoon that ends with two people chasing each other down the coast is very funny. It's like a Tom and Jerry ending. This cartoon is a pure goof, and I kind of love it. Um, in my opinion, the ribbing at Hawaiians is minimal enough that it doesn't ruin the cartoon. The rest is just beautiful goofs and gags. I love how dopey these castaways are. I love how much Ted and Michael are having with, uh, how much fun they're having with them. Bugs doesn't have to do much, but when he does, he does it so ingeniously and so smartly. The gag work is so advanced, as is the backgrounds. This cartoon is surprisingly on a completely different level from a lot of the other bug stuff that was going on at this point. It's just a really funny cartoon. And you can see why I literally made up an episode to get it on here. I love how Bugs is so evil in this uh, at oh, the yeah. ending. Um, so Larry is short, great Bugs moment. I, I the, the chicken puppet gag being my favorite. It's just <laughs> so damn silly. Jeff Dunham who? Go fuck yourself. Um, 
It's well, the puppet isn't racist, so it can't be Jeff Dunham. It's a great cartoon, man. It, it, it's one that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, I haven't put on the Golden Collapse in a while to watch this one, but uh, it, it's so nice to be reminded of, of a really good uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon that frankly should get mm-hmm. more attention because, yeah, those backgrounds are really good. Ted and Michael are having such a, a good time recording this. It's oh. it's it's a lot of fun. What a fun time. Um. Even with the slight deduction for off-colorness, it is a very slight deduction. I'm giving this a 4.5 out of 5. I am also giving this a 4.5 out of 5. And that concludes the good cartoon portion of the episode. Now let's get to the one Noah Schnapp likes. (laughs) A lad in his lap is on that short. Came out on October 23rd, 1948. Guards are having on that day. Uh, Brian Ross, American Emmy and Peabody Award television journalist, who worked at NBC from 1974 to 1994, then ABC from 1994 to 2019, was oh, born yeah. on this day in Chicago. Yeah, okay, I recognize him. I, I, I say I recognize him, but I'm not looking at a picture of him. I had to literally thumb through my wait, brain. Wait, wait. I typed in Brian Ross, journalist, and then the word fired. Wait a minute. He was fired in 2018. Wait a minute. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> I need to know this. I need to know this. Okay. Um, on December 2nd, 2017, this is why he, he, he got uh, canned, folks. Um, on December 2nd, 2017, Ross was given a four-week suspension without pay after erroneously stating during a special report that Michael Flynn was preparing to testify that Donald Trump had threatened him to make contact with Russian officials during his presidential campaign. Ross issued a clarification on World News Tonight later that same day, explaining that Flynn had not been told to make contact with Russian officials until after the election and that Trump had only asked Flynn and other advisors to find ways to repair relations with Russia, and quote, during his campaign. Ross issued a clarification on World News Tonight later that same day, explaining that Flynn had not been told to make contact with the Russian officials until after the election, and that Trump had only asked Flynn and other advisors to, quote, find ways to repair relations with Russia, end quote. Okay, falsifying news, got it. Okay. In 2018, after Ross served a four-week unpaid suspension, he returned as a chief investigative correspondent with a separate unit of ABC Lincoln's Reproduction. in July, ABC announced Ross was leaving the network. Okay, I get it. Because we, again, all three networks, uh, or all three major networks, that is, have had major uh, falsifying news uh, stories at one point or another. You had, your, you had your Dan Rather in 2004 and CBS. You had your uh, Brian Williams in the mid 2000s at NBC. And, and you had Brian Ross uh, sneaking in some wishful thinking about the Flynn thing. I'm just happy it wasn't him, um, uh, you know, with his pants down or whatever. But like, yeah, no, I. I remembered him showing up on ABC News. So, yeah. so, this short was directed by Robert McKibson, written by Warren Foster. Some working titles for this short was Genie's Light Brown Hair and The Fair-Haired Hair, which will later be used as a face filling cartoon title in 1951. I'm glad they didn't use like uh, an insensitive working title like Baghdad's Army. And there's a gag... Where the genie, oh, but there's a genie in this cartoon, um, is summoned out of his lamp while bathing. That could be contextualized as, oh, wait a minute, Disney's Aladdin had 
again, where Genie came out of the lamp in a bathing. That's just wishful thinking, I think. It's just like, what, what would what would be funny for somebody to interrupt the doing? Taking a bath. Okay, it's how the Genie do that. Like, it's... Yeah. It's pretty funny, I mean, though. it's... I mean, it's not like the animator of the Genie was a Looney Tunes fan or anything. Oh, wait! No, 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 of course. Wait a minute. Yeah. By the way, said Genie in this is voiced by Jim Backus. Um, you know, most famous for, you know, doing Mr. Magoo for however many odd years and being on Gilgan's Island. And Mel Blank did some Mr. Magoo's. So it's kind of like a pre-working together. You know, it's like, oh, hey, I'll see you in a couple of years to uh, do jokes. Speaking of insensitive, to do jokes about a blind guy. Oh, well, it was the 60s. You could still make jokes about a blind guy. <laughs> Damn libs. <laughs> So, we begin this short with Bugs Bunny. And it's at this point that I realized, oh, it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Because a lad in his lamp? Would you think that's a Bugs Bunny title? No, but uh, it's one of the few that doesn't have like a a, a hair pun or a rabbit pun. But I knew Bugs cartoon because I I read about it in the the Jerry Beck book. And he talked about this cartoon's Uh, existence, but not its quality. And we'll see why. Begin with Bugs singing a song where... I think he says a line about a master. That's uh, one reason why this isn't in circulation. Probably. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. This short has not been remastered. No, <laughs> no, remastered. no, no. It's not on Max. Uh, the cop I watched was on a was a VHS rip. Yeah, same. And it's funny. I I I went back and 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 checked some because I wanted to, I wanted to. I don't know why I checked, but I, after I'd watched, it, I checked I I checked the the some articles on it, and it turned out they tried to put this back into circulation in the '90s as part of like a lot of uh, Warner re-release series and and back into that, and there was outcry. And one of the people that came to this cartoon's defense was Casey Kasem. Um, Casey Kasem, famous, uh, you know, Arabian-American. Um, and he basically was like, look, this was... He was like... I, no, I, 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 checked the way, I checked the Wikipedia article, and it was there. And, you know... What did he say? He said, he said... He said, after this record... I, Casey Kasem, am going to talk about a Warner Brothers cartoon that you haven't seen because people think it's insensitive. When in route, when in all actuality, it's fine and these things take their time. Because we all make jokes that don't age well. Matter of fact, I called someone up last week and I and I got yelled at by my entire publishing company. But I'm fine because I'm Casey Kasem and we do these sort of things on the radio. Anyway, here's Crystal Gale. Now, uh... Uh, he, he said that basically like, look, this is a product of its time. And if we, it, it, a lot of the Whoopi Goldberg shit where it's like, if, if right. <laughs> could you imagine if they got Casey instead of Whoopi? <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm Casey. Oh, Casey. Casey Whoopi. The cartoons they got here are products of their time. That doesn't mean they're good now, nor were they good then. But if we gake them away, that means it's like they never happened. This is Casey Kasem saying like zoinks. Cut, cut. Casey is for a Looney Tunes product. You can't have you doing the shaggy voice. Oh, my bad, my bad. Okay. 
Uh, it's funny. I was talking to Whoopi Goldberg before I came in here, and Whoopi said something along the lines of, Casey, you got to get in there, and you got to talk about wanting to fuck a Looney Tunes character. And I said, Whoopi, what are you doing? That's not something I do. I'm Casey Kasem. And she said, Casey, you've got to do it. It's what I do every time I do it. And I said, Whoopi, all right. So here's something that goes out to Porky Pig. I'm going to get down and mount you like a warus. Once again, here's Crystal Gale. <laughs> I think I, I described, what, the first five seconds of this cartoon? Um, okay, so Bugs is digging a hole, as he tends to do. Just digging a hole. <laughs> oh, digging a hole, that's the one from the, the, the Canadians uh, that buried their drummer. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Just digging a hole. <laughs> Was that one of Casey Kasem's favorite um, records to spin? This is Casey Kasem saying, if you're going to bury your drummer, I'd say do it after this song, Digging a Hole, from the band whose name I forget because we did that episode last year, and my memory is as shot as Lee Harvey Oswald. Also, for no reason, here's some more Crystal Gale. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So, Fuck is digging this hole. He finds Aladdin's lamp. It's like, oh, what's this? Uh, lad in Aladdin's not that hard of a name to say. Listen, I know it's the 50s, but like, is Aladdin that foreign of a name? Well, if you're as racist as Robert McKimson, it might be. So, so Bugs, <laughs> I heard this line from Bug just uh, Well, maybe I can shine it up and use it for an ashtray or something. Yes, Bugs Bunny, known smoker. Everybody knows this. I mean, I mean Mel was, but like, <laughs> well, it was the it was the forties. Everybody smoked. Yeah, this genie gets awakened, and it's a white guy dressed up in like genie esque clothing and some I mean, some sort. I mean, to be fair, like there's two Twilight Zone episodes that have to do with the genie. And they're both white guys in postmodern garb, but it's weird that they're both white guys. And we get this bit with the genie. And I was watching this going, this is very much a comedic person. Like, it's... Listen, I don't want to say that the writers of Aladdin just completely jacked this cartoon style. But just watching this going, yeah, this is pretty much Aladdin, except this mm -hmm. genie isn't Robin Williams. That's yeah. pretty much what I got out of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, not as funny as the problem genie, of course, but it's very much like like, like he's he's presenting himself kind of like a stand-up comedian, you know? It's very much like, yep, yep this, this is the type of genie we're doing. Even Norm MacDonald did that better. He did. You know, he did. Hey, I'm, I'm a genie for some reason. I'm Canadian. My name's Norm. Crack whore. Um... He did. He didn't say that in the Fairly Odd Parents episode. I swear to God. No. But it's funny. It, it, it's just like he's in the booth. And like Bush is like, "All right, do some lines here, Norm." All right, fine. First line here, crack whore. Um, Norm, that can't go in. Why not? No, actually, no. Actually, no, 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 no. What they do is they're like, "Okay, Norm can't stop saying crack whore." So in this one moment, we'll have Timmy demand, oh, wasting a, a genie's wish and going like. I wish my soup was hotter. And Norm does it. And Norm says, 
Is there anything else you want? Perhaps a crack whore? And Timmy going, Don't you mean cracker? Uh, yeah, yeah, cracker, sure. So, Bugs wants a carrot. That, that's his wish. Bugs is kind of dumb in this. Um, yeah. So he wishes for a carrot. And then the genie goes into the lamp to, I guess, find the carrot. And then Bugs just opens up calling, Oh, but, because he, he speaks, okay, he speaks to the audience like, Yeah, I'm pretty sure this guy is a crackpot or crack whore. But, you know. <laughs> Just to test it no, out. I didn't I'll know. Ask, yeah. I'll test it out. I'll ask for a carrot. That just bugs opens the lamp. Go, by the way, Doc, make it two carrots. And then the chitty comes out and gives him two carrots. And that's like the only wish, really, that he gives in the set in the short. Like, Well, technically, no. Because there's one immediately next, because he talks about going to Baghdad. And, and Bugs goes, man, I wish I could go to Baghdad. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. And that's the cartoon now. Yeah, right down now. Because, like, but oh, wish I won the bag, Dad, right down here. No, no, Bugs, don't wish that. <laughs> no. Please. It's about to get no. really racist in here. Now, we then arrive in, in Baghdad. Sure. Where there's lots of racist puns. Yeah. Uh, the one right down here is uh, Persian, the Persian calls only. <laughs> I like that. That's the There's one the, joke I wrote down here. That's the one joke I'm like, okay, that's actually pretty good. Actually yeah, the brown good. turban is a take on the brown derby. That's not good. That, um, I did not like the that. worst one is when they 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 show outside of the the, the caliph's uh, palace. They say built on a GI loan. I'm not even going to begin to digest that, but let's just say that it's really insensitive and ignorant on part of an American that thinks he knows something about a country he's probably never set foot on. And speaking of things that only someone who's never met someone from Baghdad or Iraq or any of those places would say, the design of this caliph is a very grisly looking stereotype, just a very lazy, pipe smoking, not very clean looking type of caliph. Not a very fleshed out character either. No. He doesn't have it. Like, literally, his only lines are like, of the lamp! It's his lines. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. He's voiced by celebrity guest Joe Cocker. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Bugs drops in to the castle. And I will say, because um, we are going to be, be crapping on this short a little bit, the backgrounds throughout all of this are really well done. They're yeah. really, really good background design work. They're like, mm. they, they don't make Baghdad look like a sh look like a piece of shit. You know, they, they do try to make it look fancy and, yes, exotic because, you know, white people made this. But um, <laughs> it looks nice, you know. The people, maybe not, but... But like, yeah, no, it just turns into them running around. And there's one gag that I actually liked here, where where Bugs is is looking for some place to hide, and he peeks into a uh, he peeks into a harem, and he goes, "A harem? I can't." And the genie leaps out of the lamp and looks in, and <laughs> you just hear people just 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 shrieking. It's very silly. I mean, yes, it's it's you it know is. a horny man joke, but it's very silly. After this, 
we get the same joke repeated like three or four times. Yeah. Which is Bugs being chased by this guy, and he's trying to get the genie out to wish his way out of it. Which one could argue Bugs doesn't need to do that. He's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. But for the purpose of this plot, sure. As Chuck Jones would say later, he doesn't need the help of Michael Jordan. He can t- yeah. take care of all the aliens himself. Same As he would say, he pulled at the, at the red carpet of a premiere. He doesn't need the help of Chuck. Chuck. Did they at least give him like royalty payments for that movie to calm him down? Here's some money. So it's around here we get, you know, uh, we get the bathtub joke. Yeah, one where um, where he's about to hit it off with a female genie, and she gets run off, runs off because Bugs is there. Which okay, fine. Sure, it, it it's silly, but because the character is not very well fleshed out and kind of annoying, doesn't work as well as it yeah. Could. He kind of sucks. The the genie yeah. in this kind of sucks. He doesn't really have much. He has a personality, but I wouldn't say enough to warrant a full cartoon. So it's around here that something happens where the genie's like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll give you a wish. God, was that like the end of it where he gives him a wish? Yeah, but like, uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think like why he did though, because like I, I didn't write it down. <sighs> I don't know either. Because, um, oh yeah, because the end of this cartoon is it's basically like bugs trying to annoy the genie to help him with uh, to be as being chased by this cow off and the genie's like okay you you try and and interrupt me one more time and I'll I'll smack you upside the head essentially oh, and so right, the right, the yeah. cow gets the lamp and the and and immediately wants to get the genie out and the genie immediately just beats the crap out of him thinking he's bugs and so as yeah. as a it's like all right you know I I didn't mean I forget exactly how they get to this point, but it's like, all right, I'll give you one more wish. Because I beat up this bully for you, I'll get you one more wish. And I didn't like this ending. It's okay. Just Bugs becomes rich and powerful, essentially, which again, Bugs doesn't need to be rich or powerful. He's Bugs. Yeah, he's Bugs. um, Just Bugs' line of, hmm. I wonder what the poor rabbits are doing this season. Maybe don't do a joke like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to end your cartoon. Fuck the poor. (laughs) (laughs) Bugs is a man of the people. I mean, yes, Bugs gets what he wants. He gets what he wants, but he doesn't really get much of a. It doesn't really. It doesn't really earn it either. Like it's no. such a yeah, man. The cartoon. <laughs> we got we got rid of the bad guy, and Bugs didn't even do it. Like Bugs, like let go of the lamp by mistake. That's what I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's <laughs> not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Yes, the bad guy great. being like this. It's not like this rugged. Baghdad person, but the, the the way I saw it, because the character had like nothing to him, you could replace it with any fucking body, and, and the cartoon and, and the story would have would have been the same. That, that's my main complaint with this cartoon. Honestly, is the story is very basic. It makes little to no sense. There are there are moments in this that doesn't really fit the character of Bugs Bunny. 
the genie is just there. I, I don't know, man. Like, listen, again, not. Yes, there's some bad stuff in this, but like, even if this took place in like Miami or whatever the fuck, it, it would still run the same. Miami, sure. I don't know, hot place. Yeah, yeah you know. Then, then instead of the caliph, he'd be going after Will Smith and shooting a music video. Robert McKimson had clearly never been to the Middle East. Uh, this is laden with stereotypes and cheap jokes and assumptions for people who clearly had a bias. So this is honestly more evergreen than you might think. The plot is odd. McKimson seems to askew the usual structure of a cartoon by trying to do a plot of a fuller movie, going for more story beats and less gags. The caliph in question is very one-dimensional and very dull. The central conflict between Bugs and the genie isn't very funny either because the genie isn't very funny and Bugs is sort of hindered by what the cartoon needs him to be. This tries a lot of cool things, but it doesn't land, and it comes off as very callous. Because um, you think of a cartoon where, oh, Bugs Bunny versus a genie, you'd think it'd be better than whatever this is, and this is a bit of a disappointment. Right? It's like, yeah, Bugs versus the genie. Oh, my God, it could be anything. And it's the host. And it's really? <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Uh, I'm giving it a uh, 2.5 out of 5 anvils. That is actually exactly what I'm giving it, a 2.5 out of 5. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's not great. <laughs> it definitely is a McKimson Bugs cartoon. I'll say this. And like it's an, I know they're putting effort into the Clutch's choices. I know they are. This could be a Clutch's choice short, you know, like yeah. one that has been remastered. It's Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's a little shaky. Admittedly, it's a little shaky, but like they could probably squeak on through. Maybe. I'm not saying it should. The, the, the better cartoons we've looked at. The, yeah, the, but like if you're trying to get them all on physical media and remaster, then yeah, you know, you should probably. Speaking of collector's choice selections, oh shit! <laughs> I figured it was appropriate. <laughs> what hat you wearing, Jordan? <laughs> so this is a New York Yankees cap that I got. Um, they were handing these out at a game I went to a couple of years ago. This is a camo, like armed forces Yankee cap. And then disclaimer here: I've never served. Uh, my grandfather did briefly, but I've never served. Um, and I don't exactly have many opportunities to wear this because I'm not exactly very, uh, pro military, but, um, but it's a nice hat. Uh, and seeing that this is a, a, uh, cartoon about some damn Yankees and, um, very highfalutin military types, I figured it was only appropriate for me to wear this while we covered it. And I'm wearing a Hershey, Pennsylvania hat, Pennsylvania, yeah. a... Part of the north. So, yes, uh, definitely north of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, yeah. But this is a rebel without claws. Came out on July 15th, 1961. It's funny because we're, you know, this is a Civil War cartoon. And, um, you know, the, the person that it was born on this day uh, jump-started his career in a war film, not a Civil War film, a Vietnam film, uh, war film, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Mm -hmm born on this day. Uh, he, you know, started off in the 80s, was in Good Morning Vietnam, did a bunch of lower key movies, directed Hope Floats, and uh, eventually won an, a, be a Best Actor Oscar for playing Idi Amin. You know, that's the usual um, character actor uh, 
uh, turnout. He's a great character actor. He shows up in plenty of things these days. He was good in, in doing his goofy voice in, in Rogue One. Um, he's oh, yeah. versatile and very fun. And doing his Cajun accent in Arrival as well. No, he's good. Um, but he was born on this day. Uh, uh, the Rebel Without Claws was written and directed by Frizz Freeling. The fact that they couldn't get one of his usual writers at this point in 1961 spells doom. Yeah, it's weird because, like, it's in the title, like, rendered by Frizz Freeling. And I was sitting there going, I don't see a credit like that a lot. Like, that, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think usually what they would do for that, if I'm not mistaken, is they just wouldn't credit a writer. Like, it would just say, you know, driven by Frizz Freeling. Who wrote it? Frizz Freeling. We didn't bother crying him twice. That's silly. But no, here they uh, grant him get some title card, which is very fun. Yeah, I ordered my own title card. Before we begin, uh, where was this feeling born? So just so we can know where we're coming from with this one. Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Which is a little, I believe that is south of the Mason-Dixon line. And uh, this is a cartoon. First of all, this is a soft remake of the cartoon Plain Daffy, which we did like, but that was at least a World War II cartoon, and the villains were the Nazis. This is a Confederate, this is a Civil War cartoon where Tweety plays a Confederate carrier pigeon taking down Union Cat Sylvester. Plain Daffy is the last thing I thought of, man. Oh my God, really? Yeah, that's the one with the carrier birds, you know. We like Plain Daffy. Yes, we did. Because um, Daffy's a really fun character and the crazed Nazi woman and everything like that. Yeah, that that's really good. Yeah. Also, it had a lot of energy. Yes, it had a lot of energy because it was still the 40s and they still had energy back then. This is 1961. Yeah. They're dead, essentially. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Um, now, there's one line early in this that at least makes me feel a little better about the the morals of this cartoon because the whole thing is that like it's two confederate soldiers talking about how a message needs to be sent to robert e lee and they have you know all the carrier pigeons and all the birds are gone we only have this canary left and you just see tweety going huh. how does a bird go about getting transferred out of this outfit he's not a confederate pigeon by choice He's just sort of, you know, well, a gig's a gig. So he's, I don't think he's officially a Confederate, but he's helping the Confederates, which isn't great. That's the weird thing. So they're like, yes, spread this message. And, um, and they keep saying the word damn Yankee, which means mm. in this cartoon, we do get some very, very soft swearing. Which is always a little bit fun. Um, the best of this era, which is the Columbus cartoon, but um, right, right, right. But um, Tweety gets sent over, and of course, Tweety's turbo flying this one, so she's just like, "Screw this! I'm wa- I- I- I'm just gonna run." As um, the one as from the north, they're like, "Ah, I see. They're trying to send a message across uh, boundary lines. Send in our." Uh, Send in our bird catcher. Send in our our missionary uh, patrol. I'll do this little moment of just like sneaking behind trees with this box. And then just opening up. And it's Sylvester. It just hops out ready to go. Like he's hey, how's it going? Much... I'll be your Sylvester for this evening. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. But the thing is, is that we, we, we embark on our Celestra and Tweety gags, and I don't know, something just feels off. Now, maybe it's this animation, because it's really stocky and less expensive, and it's more just being sort of dragged along. And also, maybe it's some of the, the more menial gag work here, but just it feels limp. Like, we have this big gag here where Sylvester falls off of a cliff and into a cannon where he gets nailed by a cannonball and shot up. Oh, God, yeah. Five times, essentially. Five! Five. And nothing different happens. We literally fade out as he's getting shot up. It just fades out, not before it even ends. It doesn't care how the gag ends. It's not even like the Sideshow Bob thing. It's just, okay, you're doing the gag over again, and it's not getting any better. It's just, you know, okay, there's repetition, but that doesn't lead to humor. It just kind of died out there. Yeah. And also, it, it, it's around, like, three minutes in that Sylvester has his first line, which there's this moment where Tweety's like, okay, I have to throw off Sylvester, so he just puts a bunch of guns together across <laughs> a bridge. Pretending to be uh, yeah. all these uh, these uh, these uh, soldiers, and I do like just the reveal of of yes. Judy holding the thing, walking by. That, that was really good. Did that sweater jumps up and says, "Such a fool!" I think he only has like five lines in this whole cartoon. Yeah, it's very minimal. It's because they're trying to do it like a Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoon, just worse. Yes. That's what I got from this. It's very much Frizz trying to do while like Coyote. And, uh, failing. Miserably. So they put. Also, there, there are gags in here that are just ripped off from other Frizz feeling cartoons. Yeah, because you got the Buccaneer Bunny, um, uh, you know, uh, cannon, the cannon gag. Bit. And the thing about and that one. That same joke. The yeah. thing about that one, and that's what that's where this baffled me, because. That gag takes place on a submarine, which means we now have a submarine gag in this Civil War cartoon. Um, Mark, sure. were there any submarines in the Civil War? No, uh, because no. submarines are powered by electricity. Yeah. And last I checked, electricity was in its very, very... Very early stages around the Civil War, if they even existed at all. So yeah, they just ripped, Fritz just threw in a Buccaneer Bunny gag just to fill in time, just to kill time. But we all, I mean, we also got this other TNT wheelbarrow gag that feels like a Warrunner and Coyote reject, but it's basically just gags that aren't well constructed or well animated or well done at all, just sort of leading us towards, you know, whatever outcome this is going to be. And it's just not great. So um, if we can go to the end of this. Uh, so yeah. Tweety goes to already Lee's house. And I do like the Sylvester's disguise, because Sylvester's disguise is already Lee. And... It's like it's like it's a bad disguise. He's very frumpy. It's very much like a bad disguise, but it, it tricks Tweety somehow. It's like, aha, gotcha. Yeah. They'll give me a medal for this. And then And then we just cut to We kill 10, 15 seconds yeah. of the soldiers walking across screen, Tweety walking across screen, 
and then Sylvester with the badge. And then we get this, okay, the image of Tweety Bird up against a firing squad <laughs> is funny. Let's make that a meme. We should, honestly. What opinion have you like this? Also, you gotta think, right? 61, there's history. So you gotta think like, oh, finally. Oh, he's got him right there. You know, and Trini, like, says a comment, like, oh, you know, I, if only I had more lives to give for my country. Good. You're on the wrong side, Tweety. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I set the death on this one. Yeah. And also what worried me, Jordan, is that it's a short that all I'm saying is an episode we're doing where we go, God damn it, why this happened? Uh, this ending was reminding me of Fresh Hair for a little bit. Yeah. For a little bit, I'm like, uh-oh. What's gonna happen? I've already <laughs> seen Tweety put on yellow face, which is ironic because he's a yellow canary. I don't want to see him in brown face. I don't. And thankfully, we don't get there. Um, though I, I did like this little human moment between uh, the general and the guy. He's like, "Ready, uh, quick, Sergeant. What comes next? Aim. Oh yeah, how stupid of me. Aim." It's so strange. You got like a human moment at Luigi's cartoon. Yeah. Just like, oh, open yeah, uh, Saskatchewan. Okay. Open uh, Sarsaparilla. Uh, it's similar to that. <laughs> yeah, and. Sylvester still gets shot. We it's not really explained why. It's just uh, why the not? Only, yeah. Like okay, the only reason I can think of is that like when they cut to the guys to the firing squad, like some are wearing glasses, some of their eyes are drawn fine. Like I think the joke was that they're horrible shots. Yeah, maybe. But I guess like it, it's it's a it, they do it because they can't kill Tweety. That's why. Not and I very, feel um, this is a moment where maybe Freeling should have had another writer be like, actually, what we could do. Though, it's 61, so you know what writer probably would have come in to help. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's where it ends. So I just like, well, yeah, it's like, okay. good thing I got nine lives. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah it's just like it, it just ends with a shrug it's like well i guess we're still gonna have uh, it's, it's like all right we have tweety in front of a firing squad wonder how that can go oh yeah let's not actually do any of the things that could happen with that instead just and just dive off a cliff before let's, we even get to the combination to that okay okay <laughs> let's play screenwriter let's play the game screenwriter jordan you have experience okay. playing that game how oh, would yes, you I do. in a cartoon that has Tweety up against a firing squad. Let's see. It would be like um, it would be like a, okay, as they as they're doing like you know ready aim, and, and it's like oh wait, Mister Pooty Tad, I dropped my my uh, my blindfold. Oh okay, I get it. You know dun, 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 dun. Oh no, thanks, I got it now. Okay, fire, boom, dun 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 dun. Oh, it's like Sylvester Go walks into the the firing area by mistake, thanks to Tweety. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That could work. Or, or, or maybe be like, you know, ready, aim, Tweety. Oh, gentlemen, the South! The South are here! The Confederates are coming! The Confederates are coming! The Confederates are coming! The Confederates, the Confederates are coming! Oh, the Confederates are coming! They, they trip over themselves. Bullets are going off everywhere. No, it should it should end, like, literally. <laughs> Sorry, go, 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 go. I, I, I don't know. Like, 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 they all fall and trip over each other. And then just Tweety going, well, I... I guess the North will rise again. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, I just thought of another one, which is as literally as they're doing the um, the, the firing squad ending, the, the projector cuts out and Tweety goes, ladies and gentlemen, the editing, the, the ending that you would normally get has been cut because we want to take this opportunity to say Confederacy is bad and we shouldn't promote the Confederacy. Isn't that right, Mr. Putty Tat? And he's tied up in a, in, in a Confederate flag and being burned at the stake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, that, that that would be good. Yeah. That actually would be kind of funny. Demented. And also, I don't know where things were by 1961. I don't know if, if America was okay with saying that, like, Confederacy is bad. Because it sure ain't now. Um, anywho's, that's the end. Yeah, that's where the cartoon ends. Um, what'd you think? So not only was that tone deaf and backwards, but it wasn't a very good cartoon either. The gag work, animation, and pacing was all wrong. You've got the sense that they ran out of Civil War set pieces just threw in a submarine. There's very weak tweeting Sylvester stuff because Frizz is trying to do a Roadrunner Coyote cartoon. It also seemed to be pro-Confederacy, which is not a great look. Um, this didn't work at all, and it, it felt really tired and, and slow and dull. Yeah, very, very a bit too repetitive of the shorts for my liking. The Confederacy stuff hasn't aged well. Like, like yeah. it's funny when you think about how like Sylvester represents the good guy. That's kind of weird. Like, yeah. Sylvester, entry Sylvester cartoon should be a third party that finds Tweety and wants to eat Tweety. That's a fair play yeah. Tweety Sylvester cartoon. Not like, yeah, sure, let's go Confederate on their asses. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just complicated. It's not a good look. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I'm glad it got remastered because, like, it is a early 60s Sylvester Tweety cartoon made in a different era. But... You know, it's seen better. So I'm going to give this a 1.5 out of 5. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. Okay. Let's see if you guys have any fond memories of any of these three. Probably Wackakee Wabbit. All right. Uh, our friend James at uh, the Pemmy and James podcast account says, um, uh, specifically talked about the Rebel Without Claws, which is not the one of the three I thought people would have comments on. But here goes nothing. He says, I honestly forgotten about the Rebel Without Claws till I saw this title card and went up to and went to look up pictures, thinking it was gonna be I was gonna be getting the Charlie Dog cartoon where he tries his best to act on a southern gentleman, which yeah, yeah. if that exists, uh yes. <laughs> I mean Italians is bad enough. Um The memories of being a Tweety and Sylvester cartoon came racing back to me, and I cringed at the thought of Tweety, the Winnie Tunes most prominent sympathetic little guy on the side of the Confederacy. I could get political about lost causes and how this relates to modern politics, but I would hope Jordan beat me to it. I sort of did. Um, 
but like do you really want to hear us go all political about the social implications of joining the confederate we've already been we've already gone political enough in the last 200 odd episodes you know um confederacy bad south generally bad except for the food the food which is good oh my god you can get some good chicken down there for sure yeah um but but yeah no I, i mean you don't that's just something that you just really need to think about before you throw out there uh, because it may not age well. And, um, you know, you don't want to be giving people the idea of like, oh, Tweety's a Confederate uh, soldier. That means it's good for me because it, it's not because they stood for some really awful things, especially when it comes to slavery. So, um, you know, maybe not a great idea. This would have been better off as a Charlie Dog cartoon. Hopefully it would have been a less racist one. Thank you so much for your comment, James. Yes, thank you, James. <laughs> Before we get to what we're covering next week, I would like to take this opportunity to thank our Patreon subscribers. That's right, we have a Patreon. If you didn't know about it, you know now. On Patreon, you can subscribe to That's Not Quite All Folks and get plenty of goodies, such as commentaries, bonus material, full uncut episode logs, and lots of fun stuff that you will get the opportunity to have at a $1 level or a $5 level. And I would just like to thank our current patrons, including Andrew, Triscrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the person, not the drink, my cousin Neil, and Judy M. for giving to this wonderful podcast. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash TNQAF. Trust me, it'll be worth it. Speaking of the South, um... (laughs) Great moments and segues. Next week's episode. Okay, so I wrote this in the doc. This is the title... (laughs) For next week's episode. I'm going to keep this title because it's true. All right. For next week's episode, we're looking at three more Foghorn Leghorn cartoons. An episode I like to call Foghorn 3, The Revenge. That's right. I'm taking the subtitle from the fourth Jaws movie and applying it to the third. Sure. Fine. That works. You know, we'll do three more Foghorn Leghorn shirts. Uh they seem to go fine. Uh, they're kind of the same thing every time, but, you know. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it, I guess. So, the shorts we're covering are The Leghorn Blows at Midnight. I sure hope not. Suck a doodle do. Ending with The High and the Flighty. The joke was right there. I don't blame you. <laughs> Just your reaction to that was perfect. Oh my god. Like, he yeah. just sort of he stops and just sort of like just 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 closes his eyes and just goes, I can't believe he did that. Jesus Christ. Like, that's okay. below you. Below me. That's really what it is. There's, um No, that's big. There's, of me. A that's, there's a lot of moments of that in this episode, I'd say. Um <laughs> so yeah. Those are the shorts we're covering next week. We're probably gonna go on some tangents. Uh, we we usually tend to in our yeah. fucking Leghorn episodes. We we've had a good run of those recently. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that next week. All right. So that's the end of this week's episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Callum nineteen ninety five, and you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you want to kill well, the I podcast or give your thoughts I didn't do for anything. next week's episode, just the episode as a whole, Jordan. 
if you wanna if you wanna keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, to follow us at that underscore loony, both on Twitter and Instagram. Our time in the podcast, you're the first result, you damn Yankee. You can also find our podcasts wherever podcasts are really available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Amazon Music. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we post clips from our episodes as well as shorts from our episodes, which we also post on our TikTok, which we have for some reason. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash TNQAF. Yeah, you get access to the full recording sessions of episodes. Not that you'd want that after this. Letting you know right now, there's going to be some <laughs> in this one. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> All right, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. You know, it's really fitting this episode has stuff that's too insensitive to be aired. Um, and I'm Casey Kasem saying keep your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground and keep listening to this podcast. Now to play us off, here's a song from War.